this house. I'm serving a good God. Amen. I find no fault in the Lord. How many has God really been good to today? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord bless you. You can be seated. It's so good to be uh, back in the house of the Lord and uh, thankful for God's goodness and His mercy and His blessings, allowing us to come to His house again to worship, to praise, and to magnify His name. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I'm glad I've been born again. Glad I've been born again. Amen. So thankful for the day that I was buried in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. Oh, hallelujah. 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 We are a privileged people today. And we had a wonderful time on vacation. We'll be telling you more about that later. But we want to welcome all of the dads a wonderful and happy Father's Day Lord bless you. You have a, a very important role in life and uh, in society. And uh, don't take it for granted and don't take it lightly. And uh, don't let the world that we live in today uh, dictate who you are and what you are. But be God's man. That's my desire is to be God's man. Amen. That's my desire is to be God's man. I would like uh, Brother McDaniel to have something to say uh, today on Father's Day. And he didn't know I was going to do this, but I know, I know a preacher's always got something to say. We appreciate Brother McDaniel. How many appreciate Brother McDaniel today? <laughs> Praise God. How many appreciate Brother Luke? <laughs> I'll tell you what, Brother Duplessis did a great job, but I'm sure glad to see my pastor back. I wish that I could say something today that would uh, make it different from my daddy. I'm very, very thankful for my raising. I didn't go to church until I was nine years old. He was a good daddy. From that time on, he raised me to love God, to believe God, and stand for this message. I'm sorry to say that in the last days of his life that he drifted away from God. I was sitting here thinking about it this morning, and it tears my heart up. But I said anything I could have done, I would have done it. I did all I could, but I'm thankful that God has given me the breath and the life. I'm thankful for the way that I was raised. I give my daddy praise for it. I give God the glory for saving my soul. Thank you, Brother Lupin. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's good to us. Amen. God is so so wonderful to us to allow us uh, to come to a great house of God to worship Him. I'm so thankful for Brother McDaniel and uh, glad that he is here today. 
and uh, thankful for the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ that he has preached for years and years and years, done a tremendous work for the Lord, inviter, preached all over, I guess, different parts of this world, this country and this world, and uh, thank God for it. Amen. Some of you are here uh, today by the direct ministry of Brother McDaniel, and you ought to really be glad for what God has done through him. And uh, we're glad that he's part of this church here in Sealsby today. Lord bless Brother McDaniel. And uh, so thankful uh, for God's hand of protection that he has kept over us and uh, allowing us to go have a great time and uh, wonderful, had such a wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you again so very much for all that you've done and uh, your sacrifice and giving, and um, <clears throat> we didn't deserve it and uh, probably didn't need it, but we're thankful that you did it for us, and uh, I don't want to ever take that lightly. Thank you so much, and like I said, we'll have more coming on that later. But if you have your Bibles, let's stand, turn to Genesis chapter 27, Genesis chapter number 27. To all of our guests that are here we're honored that each and every one of you are here, and all the children that came in honor and respect to their fathers, thank you so much uh, for coming to do so, and I know your daddies appreciate it very, very much. And I want to tell you, <clears throat> my girls, right now, before God and everybody, when y'all get married and gone, wherever the life might take you, on Father's Day, you better be right here. Amen. If you come for my, my wife, you best come for me. Amen. Or there's going to be trouble. I would say on the hilltop, but we live in kind of a valley. But there'll be trouble, trouble in the valley. But uh, Genesis chapter 27, verse number 34. The Scripture says, And when Esau heard the words of his father... He cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. When he heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. Then we're going to go to verse number 38. And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Lord bless you for standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. Let's lift our hands toward heaven and ask God for his help in this service today. God... We need Your help. We need Your anointing. We need Your directing hand. Help us today, God. Open up our minds, our hearts, our spirits to the understanding and knowledge of Your Word. Help us in this house today, O oh God. We'll give You all the praise and all the glory and all the honor for it. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Lord bless you for standing. You may be seated. Now, I don't know if the quietness or 
the kind of relaxed atmosphere is due to the fact that it is Father's Day and a day that we have set aside to uh, bring honor to our fathers. Uh, Brother Allen has already brought to our attention that President Nixon um, dedicated this as, I guess, a holiday, our Father's Day. So <clears throat> we hope that he didn't have any wiretapping going on when he was doing that. But uh, anyway, I, I, I do believe that fathers has a very, very important role in uh, society today. And so I don't, I don't know if that's due to the quietness or kind of relaxed atmosphere or if it's due to the fact that I'm just coming off a of vacation and I haven't preached in two weeks and you're scared to death of how long it's going to take me to get through. Now, I know some of you's got dinner ready to be set on the table. I, I hope so. <clears throat> I hope all, Brother Cooper said he does. That's, that's every Sunday for him, though. But <clears throat> he, he gets up early every Sunday morning and slaves hard over the stove to get that ready. Uh, I don't know if you got dinner on the table or ready to get put, put on the table or if uh, you got reservations at a restaurant. Or, or what's going on, but I promise, well, let me take that promise off of there. I'm not going to hold you too long this morning, so uh, I'll try to give to you what I feel like on, is on my heart, and I'm, I, I always say what I feel like the Lord has given me. I'm not going to say that today. I'm not sure if the Lord has given me this or if it's uh, my emotions and just the fact that it's Father's Day uh, but I do have some things I'd like to share with you today. I feel like it is very important. It may not be uh, directly from the throne of God, uh, but I believe it's good for everyday living anyway. I want to talk to you for a few moments uh, from this subject, blessings from my father. Blessings from my father. I, I'm reminded of a... I never did read the book, don't ever intend on reading the book, but a man wrote a book at dreams of his father's. I think his father could, or he could go back and rewrite that and put the title as nightmares from his father. But anyway, you'll catch that later. But blessings is something that is very, very important to us today and is very necessary I do believe, I do believe, and I believe this very strongly. Some uh, might uh, disagree. That is your opinion, uh, but I believe the Bible would state this and back this up uh, very strongly. That there are there are generational curses that are handed down. I believe now. I believe in the blood of Jesus Christ, and the blood of Jesus Christ is able. Uh, to cleanse us from all of our sins. It's able to block every generational curse uh, that would ever be handed down from our, our fathers and their fathers. But the Bible, uh, especially in the Old Testament, is very, very, uh, uh, it, it, it's very much into this, that, that it is important what you do and how you conduct your life because of the consequences that it will cause the next generation. 
And I believe uh, that, that the Bible says even to the third and to the fourth generation these curses go. Now, again, the blood of Christ is able to cleanse us from all of these things. But there is, there is things that, that we need to be very careful of. And there is decisions, there is activities, there is actions that all of us that are fathers are, uh, some of you that anticipate uh, raising a family one day need to be very careful of. The world that we live in today is it's dumbed down uh, the 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 role of a father, and uh, they have uh, they have made the fathers feel like that they are <clears throat> are second. They're not important. It's not really necessary, and uh, they have created. Uh, this this atmosphere or this idea or opinion of what fathers should be and uh, how that that fathers should conduct themselves. But I want to tell you the world is never to set precedence in our life. It's never to take authority in our life. It's never to uh, to be the leading guide role that our guideline that we should be following. When you start following after the world and after its traditions and after the traditions of men and after the philosophies of Hollywood, that's when we get ourselves in terrible, terrible shape. That's the reason why this country and this world in its entirety is in such uh, terrible shape today is because of what uh, people have seen as the direction and the idea and the philosophies that we should put into play in our life. But <clears throat> they have taken uh, fathers' roles out of families because people do not want to, uh, they do not want to even refer uh, to the Bible or to look into the Bible for any guidelines or regulations that that are to be set in our life. Now, I want to tell you, I might disagree with some of the women in this place today, but it doesn't matter because the Word of God is still on my side. The, the man is still to be the head of the household. Some of you men, if you wasn't so weak now and you could fulfill that role, you could say amen. But I understand. I understand. You're scared to say anything because you can't fulfill that role. But I want to tell you, it's still the God-given role that men are to play in the household. Now, now a lot of men take that. Uh, women ought to amen that too. But I understand that, that, that you don't like that role. But it's still God's way of putting things. And it doesn't matter what you say or what society says it's still God's plan and God's plan is the right plan it's the right way it's the only way it's the God given way amen <clears throat> amen and they they uh, people has taken this out of context and out of order and uh, they they men sometimes seem to look at this as this is my my role in life. This is God has given me this authority. But God's given you a lot more instruction to go with that. 
not only the boss, not only uh, the head of your household in the authority figure, but also the spiritual head of your household. I believe this. I believe this very strongly. I believe this so strongly that if a man would submit himself to God and be the leader spiritually, financially, the leader of his household, I believe this with all of my heart. There is no woman that is married to a man like that would have a problem with submitting to that man. Uh, man, you are quiet this morning. Come on, relax. Let's have a little bit of fun in the house of God. But I do believe that. But a man, a man that will not submit himself to God cannot expect a woman to submit herself to him. Uh, help us all, Holy Ghost. <clears throat> That's just the way that it is. That's the way that it is. It's God's order of submission. First you submit to God. Amen. God, some of you can't, can't have your wives submitted to you because you can't submit to the pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Because every time the pastor preaches something that you would disagree with, you go home and fuss and rant and rave about it. And then you want to wonder why your wife fusses and rants and raves at you. Because you've taught her how to not be submissive to authority. And your kids rebel against you. See, that's God's, God's will. That's not what I come to preach about. I just got sidetracked on that. And uh, maybe as quiet as it is today, I might need to take another uh, time and talk about that. Fathers, the world today is in a chaotic situation. When you look at statistics, it's very, it's very sickening to see how many children are born out of wedlock. It is very sickening to see... How many poor children are raised without a father figure? Some of them are raised even without a mother. They are raised, what we have today is grandparents that are raising their children's children. When that is not the biblical way to do it. The biblical way to do it is you meet a young lady, young man, or young lady, you meet a young man, and then you... uh get married, may I say that, you get married the biblical way, and then you start bringing life into the world. You don't get things out of order. God's order, God's law. And I'm sure that anybody that's ever got things out of order can testify to the fact that's not the way to do it. Amen. But I want to tell you today, we should never praise that lifestyle. We should never bring glory to that lifestyle. Amen. Because that is against the biblical way of doing things. Amen. Now, I feel sorry for anyone who is in that situation. It's never the child's fault. 
But I want to tell you, if you could go back, all of you would go back and redo things according to God's plan and God's order. Then you bring life into the world and you start raising a family. You make a commitment to one another. That it's not for the, just the good times, it's not for just the sunshiny days, but we are making a commitment for life. For life. Marriage is still a lifelong commitment. It's not something that you make a commitment to and say, I'm going to save this in case I change my mind. Amen. The Bible said from the very beginning it was not so. It was never in the plan and the will of God. And then they asked, why didn't Moses write a a bill of divorcement? The Bible said, Jesus said, because of the hardness of your heart. Because of your rebellion, because of your desires, because of your misunderstandings about what life is all about. But from the very beginning, this whole book that we preach on, that we base our life on, is about commitment. Amen. It's about commitment. The world today is in a mess because there are no fathers. There's many people that can bring life into the world, but there are not many people that can be fathers. Then there are some that are called fathers that pass on bad habits to their children. This scripture that I've read this morning When we go back and we look at this Scripture and find uh, its context and what it is talking about is when uh, Isaac came and he, he told his sons, he said, I want you to go, I want you to go Esau and I want you to kill uh, an animal. I want you to make me some, some soup, some stew, some pottage and I want you to bring it to me. And I'm going to give you the blessing. Well, it was overheard by Jacob's mother. Jacob's mother came and talked to him, and they deceived his father. And before Esau could get back, Jacob had already went in, and his father had blessed him. Now, when Esau come in, it's a very sad, sad setting. That when he gets there, he asked his daddy, he said, well, here's what I brought to you. He said, who was the person who came in before you? And he said, when he heard that he had already blessed Jacob, the Bible said that he wept with an exceeding and bitter cry. And he asked his father, bless me. Please, some way, bless me, even me also. I know that you blessed him, but could you some way, somehow, bless me? Really, after he had given Jacob the blessing, there was no blessing to be had. But we find that again Esau asked his father, after crying bitterly, 
how thou hast thou but one blessing. Can you give me just one blessing, my father? Bless me again, even me also, oh my father, just one little blessing, please. Can you give me a blessing? What a sad, sad deal. A man crying before his father saying, is there still not just one blessing that you could give me? Just one thing that you could hand down to me? We find that he went into trying to bless him. But when you read the difference of the prayers between what he had blessed Jacob and then what he had blessed Esau with, there is a contrast to what was going on. He blessed him to be a servant is what he blessed him to be. The only positive blessing that he really had in his life was being a great people. And that has come true. But he was always a servant to his younger brother. What a, what a tragedy of this world and this society that we live in today. That there are many people that have become fathers, but there's not many daddies that can leave a blessing to their children. Amen. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 20 and 21 says, My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. My son, keep thy father's commandment. That's the commandment of the Bible to children today. Keep your father's commandment. My question to the fathers today is, what kind of commandments do you have to lead to your children? What are you leaving behind? What kind of actions are you taking today that would influence your children in a positive or in a negative way? I want to go back today and... I know some of these things I have talked about before, but I'd like to talk about some of these things again. And I want to talk about things my daddy left me. My daddy did not have a large inheritance to leave his children. I think um, when my daddy passed away, of course my mother was still living, and there were some things that we didn't get it. She got that that uh, was left to her. But <clears throat> I don't even know that he ever even, well, I know he didn't. He never sat down. He never wrote a will because I believe that he had all intentions of dying broke. <laughs> and so he pretty much left up to that. He lived up to that. But I can remember uh, we were all there at the house and and about the only thing that he had uh, that was divided up amongst us boys was that he had some guns. I think for my inheritance, I think I got a total of five guns. He had no money to give away because he spent all of that, or he had already given it away. He gave it to us before he passed away. 
through our whole lives, so he was not able to save any for himself or uh, had didn't have much in the bank. Uh, he had some insurance policies that paid off for my mother to live on, but other than that, that's about the extent of our inheritance. So there was there was really no uh, no fighting. There was no bickering amongst the family because it just wasn't anything to fight over. I, uh, we all got together and we set the guns out there and and um, I, I one voiced what one they would like to have. It meant a lot to them. I voiced one that I would like to have and. The other one voiced another one that they would like to have that meant something to them. Or we hunted with Daddy at a period of time in his life where he carried these guns. So we all got them, and then by one by one, we went around and picked uh, in order until they were all gone. And uh, that was that was that. The inheritance was settled. But there was some things that I would say not inheritance that was given, but I would like to classify them as blessings that was giving. Inheritance was slim. There was not a lot to be had. But there was some blessings that was handed down to uh, all of us children. And uh, that's what I would like to talk about. Number one, there is too many to talk about. I can't cover them all today. Time wouldn't permit. And on the spur of the moment, my mind will not think of all of them, so there'd be a, I'd like to touch on some high uh, spots in our lives. And, uh, for one thing, my, my daddy taught us how to work. And, uh, he didn't really teach me how to be a preacher, really, but he taught me how to work because that's what he did. When he, uh, when he got, uh, was a young boy, he worked, uh, for his, his daddy and then, when he left home, he worked, and then when he started preaching, he worked. When he started pastoring, he still worked and uh, made a living with his hands until the church was able to support him, and then he worked full-time as a pastor. My daddy was a, he was a mechanic. He was a uh, brick mason. He was a house builder. He was uh, uh, an electrician. He was, he was about everything. There was not... Too many things that that he couldn't do. I can remember uh, one of the one of the projects that we took on uh, during a, a time period of his life where money wasn't too flowing too heavily. Uh, he bought an old suburban, and uh, we started rebuilding that thing. And uh, <clears throat> it had an old engine in it that was wore out. And he bought a wrecked vehicle, and it was back in 87 where they started putting fuel injections in vehicles. And and uh, he bought that wrecked truck, and uh, we took that motor out of that truck and put it in that uh, that Suburban. And then uh, that wasn't good enough, so they changed the front end of the Suburban. So we went and all got new lights and new uh, grills and put into that Suburban where it looked like he had a new Suburban when it was an old Suburban. Uh, I can remember he bought me a, a jet boat that the engine was blew up in. And, uh, so it sat under the garage and we bought an old, old truck. We took that engine out of that truck and put it in that boat. Now, today I, I can't, I can't do mechanic work. I could probably do some if I had to, but thank God I don't have to. And, uh, didn't really enjoy it then. What, don't think I would enjoy it now. But, uh, I, he bought a farm, and we worked on that farm. 
learn how to drive tractors, learn how uh, to slop the hogs. That was quite interesting. Learn how to clean out hog pens. Uh, before I was even a prodigal son, I was already getting practice uh, cleaning out the hog pens. And uh, so he taught us how to do that. Another thing that was very important, a blessing that that was handed down to me in my life was he taught me how to love a wife one day when I got one. He taught me how to do that because he taught me by example on how that he loved my mother. Now, he was not the mushy-mushy kind. He did not go overboard with, I love yous, and he told my mama, he, he, I, I got this from my mama. I didn't get this from my daddy. But he told my mother, he said, I told you when I got married that I loved you. And if I ever change my mind, you'll be the first that I'll let know. So don't expect me to say it every day. That was just his hard way of doing things. It was difficult for him to say that I love you. and uh, But he would show you by different ways and his different ways of doing things. But he loved my mother. And, and uh, I, I can remember him taking her uh, a couple of times to Hawaii. And I can remember uh, every anniversary he always bought roses. And um, so he taught me how to do that. He taught me how to love his children. For one day when I would have children of my own, I would know how to love them. I would know how to respect them. I would know how to take care of them. I have tried very desperately to take the, the positives from my daddy and the positives from my mother and to put them into effect in my life in raising my children and being a husband to my wife and uh, being a pastor to this church. And so I have worked on that, but I'm thankful for the influence that my daddy had in my life of showing me these blessings and showing me how to love my children. I learned from my daddy of how to love people. That was another blessing that he handed down to me. He gave me, uh, I learned through my daddy how to give help to people who are in need. I learned how to give in offerings. I learned how to give of my time. And uh, I've learned how to give of my finances. I learned how to try to help young people because in our household, besides the five brothers and sisters, uh, five children that they had of their own, they took in 16 other children uh, that lived in their house uh, for periods of time through their life. Children that did not have parents. Some of them did not have parents that cared about them. Some of them did not have parents that wanted them to be in the house of God. So they allowed 16 other children to live in their houses at different times of our lives. Uh, I learned from my daddy how to have a good time and how to enjoy life. I learned how to laugh. I learned how... Uh, to just enjoy things as they come. I learned how uh, to not go around with the scowl all the time. Uh, I can remember coming to uh, our when Tammy uh, and Nathaniel got married, uh, Sister Burgess, which was Sister uh, Brother and Sister Hare's daughter, uh, she came to uh, the wedding. She said she wanted to come 
because she knew I would be crying and said, nobody can cry like him and nobody can laugh like him. I think that's pretty important in life. If I'm not remembered for anything else, I'm remembered because I can really cry real good and I can really laugh real good. And uh, <clears throat> when I'm in a place and something funny's going on, they always criticize me for being the loudest one there. Because that's all I know how to do. I just, I, I, I'm not going to go through life miserable. I'm not going to go through life down and out and depressed about everything that has not gone my way. Amen. But there is a time to cry and there's a time to be happy, the Bible says. There's a time to be merry. So I, I learned that from my daddy. I, I didn't really, I didn't really realize how much I sounded like him until I was in a group of a bunch of preachers and we was talking and, and, uh, so this group was sitting, I was sitting with this one group. There's another group across the cafeteria from where we were sitting. And, uh, <clears throat> I was laughing about something. I don't know what was said, but I was laughing and another, uh, preacher, a well-known preacher walked over and he said, man, said it sounded like Buddy Looper over here, just a hee-hawing. Said, I can remember that laugh that your daddy had. So I, I learned that from him. And, uh, that was another blessing that was handed down to me. I, I learned how to have a conservative political view from my daddy. I didn't learn that from the school teacher. Did not go to college, so I didn't have a chance to learn my political views from a professor. But I learned my political conservative values uh, from my daddy. I want to tell you today, church, now I, I, I'm not into all of this politics, but I want to tell you, we better teach our children that we are conservative, politically, spiritually, our way of lifestyle. You better tell them why. You better tell them how come. You better tell them what for. Amen. 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 You better tell them why we vote and how we vote. And why we vote like we vote. What's the point behind what we're doing? Amen. That is what's wrong with society today. There has been no father figure in the home to where they get most of their education. Your, your kids should not get their life education skills from their teacher. They should not get their skills on life and their life skills from the college professor. Something should already be set in order at the home. Amen. We expect too much out of school. We expect too much out of college. We expect too much from the church. Amen. When we ought to set these things in order in the home. This is what... How long has it been since you sat down with your children and said, this is what we do and this is why we do it and this is how we do it. And when you get grown, you need to do it like I'm telling you to do it. Oh, they're, they're free thinkers. They're free thinkers. Oh, no, no free thinker is a free thinker. He's thinking what somebody's already told him to think. Amen. He's thinking what somebody less than you has told them to think. 
So I learned my political views from my father. And that, for that, I am thankful for. And I have stuck to those views. I have stuck to those because that is what I have been taught. My moral values came from my father. My father was faithful to his wife, faithful to his children, faithful to his church. I got that from my father. I've been faithful to my wife, faithful to my children, faithful to the church. Because that's what my daddy taught me. That's blessings from my father. All of these things have been just blessings of life. Life skills. The way that we should approach life. The way that we should conduct ourselves in life. But then there are some more things that's even more valuable to me that I receive from my Father. What I believe in. What I believe in. I got from my Father. Long before the oneness of God was ever a revelation to me, it was taught to me by my Father. I've always said... One of the dumbest, greatest questions I've ever asked. Now, I know that's kind of an oxymoron, but, but one of the dumbest, greatest questions I've ever asked was one day, my daddy was getting ready for a debate. And I've told you this over and over and over again. Maybe one day you'll get it, and I can quit telling it, but I'll probably keep telling it. But... Uh, He was getting ready for a debate, and the topic for that night's biblical discussion was where the church, the New Testament church, began. And so I was casually, I was about 14 years old, I was casually in and out the den where they had tables and Bibles and books before computers came along, and and, uh, they were discussing these, and they were grilling each other on these questions, and and uh, going over and over, and it was kind of boring to me, so I was in and out. I walked through, and I said, what's the big deal of where the church began as long as you know it began? Boy, that's a great revelation. I had it together, and I guess I was an embarrassment to my father, and he looked at me and said, that's a very stupid question. And uh, he wasn't too impressed that I asked the question, and I said, well, just, just a question just come on my mind. So I said it. And uh, he said, if you don't know where the church began, you will never know what the church believed. Now, the reason why I say that was the dumbest, the best, or the best, the greatest, dumbest question I ever asked is because that has never left me. That was a blessing. God took my ignorance And turned my ignorance into knowledge and I understood. If you don't know where the church started, you don't know what the church taught. That's the reason why people are so confused today. Young people, has your father taught you where the church began? It started on the day of Pentecost. In the second chapter of the book of Acts, the Holy Ghost was poured out. Upon all of them. Do you know what they did? They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Do you know what happened? 
They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Do you know what they did? They all were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You know what the promise is? The promise is to you and to your children. And all of them are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You know what they did? Peter, with many other words, began to preach and explain to them, Save yourself from this wicked and untoward generation. Then you know what happened? They went from house to house, breaking bread and having things in common. They evangelized their world. Amen. I got what I believe in. Long before I had a revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Oh yeah, I remember the day that it happened. I can remember, I can take you back to the very spot in the middle of the floor of the church where it happened. Where I got a revelation, but before I had a revelation, it was taught to me by my father. My daddy taught me how to pray. Boy, that's a dying art. My daddy taught me how to pray, and I'm closer to being done than what you think, but I am not done. So don't think that I'm going to dismiss you in two minutes. My daddy taught me how to pray. My daddy took me to the prayer room. I've told you about things I've seen in the prayer room. My daddy was in the prayer room the night that the light bulb lit up in the corner. My daddy was in the prayer room with me, or I was in the prayer room with my daddy many times when many great things began to take place. He taught me that when you're in trouble, you pray. When you don't know where to go, you pray. When you don't know who to talk to, you pray. When things are going good, you just pray. You just pray always. That was blessings from my father. My daddy taught me how to be faithful to the house of God. I'm reminded of the man that told the little comedy about his daddy and how faithful he was to the house of God. And he said he would get tell his daddy, he said, I'm sick, I can't go to church. And his daddy would say, well, go throw up and prove it. He said, and if you ever got sick enough to throw up, he'd say, now don't you feel better? Let's get ready and go to church. People say, I can't come to church. I, I, you know, I appreciate people not spreading these diseases. But we didn't know what it was to stay home from church because we had a fever. They just wrapped us up in a blanket and laid us down on the pew and said, he's got a fever. You might not want to get close to him. But we went to church. We went to church, rain, sleet, snow, shine. We just went on to church anyway. I walked to church in the snow. We walked to church in the rain. We walked to church in the heat. We walked to church. Of course, the church was about 50 feet from the house, but we still, we still walked to church. Amen. These are things I learned from my father. When you're in trouble, you go to church. When you're hurting, you go to church. When you don't have nowhere else to go, you go to church. 
Church is more important. Church is more important than your pocketbook. Church is more important than your job. Because when your job is gone and your pocketbook's empty, you still got the church. Church is more important than any place in this world. When you go to church, you get dressed like you're going to see the king. Because you'll never see anybody that's any greater than what you're going to miss. Oh, hallelujah. We didn't, we didn't go casually to church. This is what I'm trying to tell you young people. If I could get it into your mind and in your spirit, you don't go casually to the house of God. I know, oh man, it's easier to come in your tennis shoes and your blue jeans and, and all of that. If that's all you got, that's all you feel comfortable in, so be it. Come as, come as whatever you feel. But if you'd go see the president in a suit and wouldn't go see God in a suit, if you'd go to a nice restaurant in slacks and a nice shirt and wouldn't go to church, see, these are, le- these are blessings that was handed down to my father. He said, son, church is an emergency. Church is the greatest place that you're ever going to be. Church is the best thing that's ever going to happen to you in your life. So when you go to church, you get your best on. Amen. You shave, you brush your teeth, you comb your hair, you take a shower, you get ready to go because you're going to see the king. Hallelujah. Don't ever, don't ever allow church to be casual. Don't ever allow church to be just secondary in your life. Don't ever allow church to be common. But always, hey, I'm going there for a purpose. I'm going there for a reason. I'm going there to receive something from God. I'm going there to worship God. I'm going there to magnify Him. Hallelujah. 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 I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. I cannot even. I don't even really want to think about it. But I'm going to go say it because some of you need to hear it. I cannot imagine walking into my house and it be church time and telling my daddy, Daddy, man, I worked hard today. I'm too tired to go to church. I'm going to go to bed early. (laughs) Yeah, that would have ran over real, real good. I cannot imagine, I cannot even think about telling my kids, Oh, I'm tired. I'm not going to go to church tonight. Well, you're the preacher. You can't do it. I could stay home if I wanted to. There's been times I've been real tired. I tell you what, we got to missing church so bad the other day. We was in, in Seattle, and I called somebody. I was having church on Monday night. I said, I tell you what, I don't have any dress clothes, but I'm going to come anyway. I just, I just, it's just, it's in me. It's just there. I can't help it. I can't get it out. Why? Because my daddy put it in me. He beat it in me. He opened my mouth sometimes and force-fed me. He didn't say, ah, you like this. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. I, I ain't even got time to get on. 
I learned how to correct my children from my daddy. Now, I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not near as tough on them as my daddy. But, you know, on this, on this vacation that we had, of course, when you go on an Alaskan cruise, everybody that's ever been on an Alaskan cruise, I felt like a, a vibrant teenager because we was the youngest people on there. <laughs> and, and, man, everybody... And it was so amazing. We, we went on, man, we was with people. We, some people we met there when we got there. We was with them until we got off of the ship. So about, what was it, 10 days we was with them, seeing them every day. You know what they said? said, your kids are so well behaved. They're so polite. They know how to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and excuse me, and I'm sorry. You know where I learned that from? Now, on the way home, I sat by one that wasn't that way. It wasn't mine, but it was another one. And it was slapping its mama and hollering and screaming at its mama. My daddy couldn't tolerate that stuff. I didn't learn to tolerate that. But I learned that, oh, y'all hold your ears that don't, don't like this. If you spare the rod, you will spoil the child. Now, I'm not in for child abuse. That's a whole different story. You don't do it when you're mad. <laughs> I remember my mother, my mother, my mother, she had whoop us. She had those, you, you, those, those house shoes that you slip your foot up in. It's got the flimsy sole on them. And she would take that house shoe off. And now she said that she didn't do this, but I pray that God gave her forgiveness before she died. She said that she never did do this, but I tell you, she'd grab you by the hair of the head to hold you in place, and she'd take that flimsy house you off and just tear you up. And then you know what happens when you start crying? You start, <laughs> and then she'd whoop you until you stop snubbing. Now, how do you? I'm gonna whip you until you cry, and then I'm gonna whip you until you quit crying. Just I said, what are you supposed to do? I can't stop. I'm trying, and I just snub. I can't stop it. I don't know why I do it. The kids ask me, so why you do that? I said, I don't know why you do it. You just, when you get in trouble, you start snubbing. I don't know what it is about it. But, but I learned this from my father. And what I have come to enjoy is I can enjoy my family because they know how to behave themselves. Amen. And I want to stop. I want to thank God. For my girls, they have not caused me any trouble. They're all in the house of God today, and I am so thankful for that. And they have. And I want to tell you this. You ought to pray for my kids because the better they are, the more time I can spend with yours. And I don't have to worry about them as much. Amen. I learn, I learn from my father. How to say, I'm sorry. I can remember my daddy had a, he was, to say he had a temper was an understatement. He was very hot-headed. I mean, he didn't only have a temper, but he had 
a very, very short fuse. He was often criticized for that. Somebody's phone is going off. Go ahead and answer it. <laughs> he was often criticized for that. And he would, boy, out at the farm working with those hogs, he would always say, the only thing dumber than a hog is the people that owns them. And that was his theory on raising hogs. And he would get upset. But I learned that he did not want to be like that. And on the way home, me and Richard Herring, he was living with us at the time. We'd be riding home and it'd be kind of quiet because he'd get mad and explode. And in five minutes, he'd wonder what in the world's wrong with you. Why are you so upset? Because he had jumped all over you and then thought you ought to get over it as quick as he did. So we was riding home. Many days we'd be riding home as a 15-mile ride back to the house. It'd be quiet in the truck. He'd say, boys, now I want you to know I shouldn't have got angry a while ago or mad. shouldn't have hollered at you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for doing that. He'd always follow it up by, but you know what you should have been doing and you just wasn't doing it. <laughs> so I don't know if that was a backhanded I'm sorry or it's kind of like going up and apologizing to somebody and say, if I'd done anything. Now you know you did something or you wouldn't be there saying anything. So don't put that if in there, just I did it and I'm sorry for it. But I learned how to, I learned how to get over problems. I learn how to get past. I learn how to say I'm sorry. These things come from my Father. Today, I have something that is very special to me. And uh, if you notice, I do not have my Bible today, but I do have some Bibles up here. This is my daddy's Bible. This is the way that he left it when he left this world. All stuffed full of these notes. If you want to know where I got the idea from preaching from newspaper articles, I was reading it in here this morning. He has a newspaper article he was preaching for about the time that he passed away from um, July the 18th, 1998. Got Saddam Hussein. I, 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 don't, uh, I don't know... Uh, who he was preaching about. I was reading through the articles trying to find out what in the world he was talking about. I was looking through some of his notes today and uh, some of the scriptures that's in his notes <clears throat> and some of the things. And, and uh, it is so amazing because when I would read these scriptures, I could hear him saying over and over because I'd heard him say these scriptures over and over. Like one in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 7, Woe unto the world! Because of offenses. For it must needs be that offensives is going to come. But woe unto the man of whom offensives come. I've, I've heard these over and over in my mind. Said, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. I kept reading these. The more I could read them, the more I could hear his words going over and over and over and over. Romans chapter 1, or chapter 12, verse number 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Amen. As I read those scriptures, I can hear the background of my daddy's voice going over and over and over and over again. Why? Because those are blessings that has been handed down from my father and given unto me today. Not a lot of inheritance, but multiple, multiple blessings. Things that money cannot and would not ever be able to buy. My question to all of your fathers today, what kind of blessings are you leaving behind to your children? And I know the hours growing late. But what kind of blessings are you leaving behind to your children? What are you leaving behind? If your children take on all of your traits, it's kind of like I read a story about President George W. Bush, and they were questioning him about how he had an inlet to the White House because his daddy was a president before him. He said, the thing about your daddy being popular and being a president is you inherit some of his friends but all of His enemies. See, your children is going to inherit some of your good traits that you hand down to them, but practically all of your bad ones. What kind of blessings are you leaving behind? As I'm closing today, I want to take a few moments to thank someone else that is very special in my life. I have another Bible that is here today. And uh, this is not my daddy's Bible. But some of you might recognize this Bible. This is Brother Duplessis' Bible that he preached from. I don't know how many years, but he gave it to me when he retired. And um, I want to thank Brother Duplessis. I, first of all, I want to thank Brother Charles Samuel Duplessis. Because he, without hesitation or without any malice or anger that he has ever showed toward me, allowed me to come in to their family. And I've consumed more of his daddy's time in the last 25 years than he has. He's never got upset about uh, his daddy and my relationship. For that I am thankful. Thank you for that. But Brother Duplessis has been more than I could words could ever express or I could say. We argue and fight like we should be married. Brother Charles Samuel was telling me one day, he said, Y'all act like you've been married said one starts a sentence and the other one finishes and then y'all fuss and fight and then you're back together the next day. I said, it's like having another daddy in my life. The only thing I can disagree with him and fuss at him 
makes it kind of fun. I never could do that with my daddy. But I come, I come to Seals being a time, a very difficult time in my life. And um, I moved here. He took me under his wing and helped me. And uh, was a pastor to me. I'll never forget one message that he preached. And we was in the gym. I'd had a bad, bad, bad few days. And uh, I was really going through a trial of my life. I'd met Brother Rivers in the prayer room. And me and Brother Rivers had been praying. And I come out. It was on a Sunday night. And Brother Duplissy preached. And the title of his sermon was, Keep on Walking. And he talked about Enoch just walked with God. I want to thank him for the blessings that he has handed down to me in my life. He gave me the best thing that's ever happened to me other than the Holy Ghost. And that was my wife, which just so happened to have been his daughter. He was lucky to have her that he got me. And I'm thankful for that. And then he entrusted me, gave me the opportunity to pastor this wonderful church. I don't deserve God's blessings. I don't deserve the positives that God has put in my life. But I want to say to two great men today, one that has already gone on, and one that is still here with us, I'm thankful that when I came into your presence, that you didn't look at me and said, I have no blessings yet to give. But when I said, could you bless me too, they both put their hands on me and put their hands in my life. And they had something to give. They had something left to hand down. As we all stand across this building today, I want to ask each and every father in this place today, would you step out from where you're standing Would you make your way to this front? Some of you that's going to be fathers in the near future, make your way to this front. Life is not a game. Our children are not something that God has given us to toy with. Just for our enjoyment, and when we get through with them, we cast them out with no direction, no hope. Where would I be today if it was not for a wonderful father that God put in my life? That was a father to me, that was a pastor to me, that tried his best to lead me in the direction that I should go. And then where would I be today if it was not for Brother Duplissiot when I came to him, a struggling young man, 
a man trying to find direction in the will of God in his life. If he says, I'm sorry, I don't have any blessings yet to give. I want to tell you, daddies, we can blame it on the world. We can blame it on society. We can blame it on the the president. We can blame it on everybody else. You can blame it on how you were raised. You can blame it how you were brought up. But I want to tell you, the buck stops here. We've got to have something yet to give. We've got to have a blessing yet to put on our children. Men, just stretch out across here because I'm going to do something else here before we go. Just stretch stretch on across here. Make some room in behind you. Come on across the front. I want all the men all the way across the front. All the way across the front. Come on. Come on. Help me out. Come all the way across the front. I want men today to make up your mind before you leave this place this morning that I'm going to fulfill the role and the purpose that God has placed in my life to do what God has called me to do. To be the man, to be the father that God has called me to be. To be the husband that God has called me to be. Now when all the ladies... All the wives of these men. You don't have to gather around each one of them, but I want you to come in behind them. I want everybody, just everybody in the church, come on. I want us to lift our hands toward heaven. I want somebody today, I know this has been a quiet, long, maybe boring service to some of you, but I want you to lift your hands right now, every man. Lift your hands right now and ask God's help. I want you to catch a glimpse of the responsibility that you have that is placed before you today. It's not just life. It's something precious that God has given us. It's the opportunity that God has given us. God, I want to thank you for my family. I want to thank you for the call that you've placed in my life. I want somebody to thank God for the responsibility that He's given you. Thank you, God. I want to make full proof of my ministry. Each one of us has a ministry today that we are to place an order in our household, in our families. God, I want to be the man that you want me to be. Why don't somebody reach out to the Lord right now? I will be what you call me to be. Hallelujah. Why don't you reach out to God right now? Why don't some wife get behind your husband and say, Come on. We're going to make it. We're going to change. What God wants us to be today. There's going to be a difference in my home. There's going to be a difference in my family. There's going to be a difference in my actions. I'm going to change some things.
I will Hallelujah. be what you've called me to be. Why don't you reach be. out? It's no time to be a hard-hearted man. I say it. It's no time to be a hard-hearted individual. God, I oh, I gotta show my, my manhood. I want to tell you how you show your manhood as being submissive to God's will. To God's way. That's what God's looking for today. That's what God is desiring today. Why don't you sing that song from your heart today? I'll say yes, God. Lord, I'll say yes, God. My desire, my desire, my desire is you. I long for you today, God. I want you today, God. I want to be the man that you want me to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, why don't every man in this house lift up your voice right now? I will be why don't you lift up your voice to God right now? Lift up your voice to God right now. Help me, Holy Ghost. Help me, Holy Ghost. Oh, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. Is to be what you call me to be. That's what I'll be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wish each and every one of you men a happy Father's Day today. Lord bless you. Have a great day. Be the man that God has called you to be.